We always need you, O God, to be revealed in the words of Scripture and in the community. But this week, we especially need to see and feel, to taste and touch your presence. For we have been beset as a people. Give us faith that as we think together about the deepest meanings of your way and truth and life, that we may not only believe it in the past, but believe the promises that you are present in this moment and that your work is not done. We would unite our hearts with your children all around the world in sign language, in spoken language, in many and various tongues who believe, who practice faith, and who do so by employing the words that Jesus long ago gave us, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It has been a roller coaster week. Our youth coming back from youth camp can probably say it's been a roller coaster week. You at your work, it's been a roller coaster week. Families, it's been a roller coaster week because often life does feel like a roller coaster, sometimes up, sometimes down. But this week in particular, the past seven, eight, nine days have been unbelievable. From a week ago, Friday, when the city and really the whole nation gathered in Louisville, Kentucky, for Muhammad Ali's funeral. And the experience we had, whether you watched it on TV or whether you were there present, you tasted the kingdom of God. It was there for us, black and white, young and old, East Louisville, West Louisville, gay and straight, Christian, Muslim, Jew. We, from all walks of life, we gathered to honor this person, but also to see ourselves and look up and recognize connections and harmonies and beauty and truth. It was so euphoric. And Sunday morning, between one of the services, someone said, have you heard about the shooting in Orlando? And I thought they were referring to the shooting of the singer from The Voice who had been shot in Orlando just a few days earlier. I I didn't know. I didn't know through the afternoon, really. And we went to uh, the highlights class. But then the details began to come of this toxic cocktail of xenophobia and homophobia and perverted, distorted religion that created such carnage, such brokenness. So not just 49 lives, but 49 systems, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, friends, neighbors, co-workers, aunts, uncles. It just permeates. 
It's been a hard week. I felt demoralized. To turn the Christmas carol on its ear, it feels like the right has failed and the wrong prevailed. No peace on earth, goodwill to all. And so today's ancient word comes to us as fresh as the latest news you can get on your smartphone. It matches our mood. It feels defeated and confused and demoralized. How does power always win out? Ahab's the king of Israel, the people of God. He's the second king of Israel's most dominant dynasty. He controls ten of the tribes, all the cities, all the armies and the wealth. And then to strengthen his position, he, he go, enters into a political marriage to create an alliance with the, the leaders of Tyre and Sidon, these, these enemy neighbor countries, by marrying the princess named Jezebel. The logic is that a rival king won't want to attack Israel if Jezebel is the queen, if the, if, if the man's daughter is the queen, and if the grandkids' bikes are laying in the front yard outside of the palace, there won't, be a, there won't be a raid. But when Jezebel came to live with Ahab, she not only brought all of her clothing and her unique furniture and maybe some recipes from back home, she also brought her God, Baal. Baal is not another name for God, for Yahweh, for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are other names for God besides God or Lord, but this one is not one of them. Baal, as I've told you, is the God of agriculture, the God of of, of abundance and prosperity. Ever since Pharaoh began to store food, the idea of food, agriculture, became a source of power. If you could have the food, you could have the power. For when scarcity comes, and it always comes, always be afraid. When scarcity comes, if you control the food, you control the people. Baal is not a god like Yahweh is a god. Baal doesn't pledge covenant. There's no love expressed. There's no, there's no ethic. There's no justice. There's no love God and love neighbor. There's no being fair and just. It's just a god of the deal. Make a deal. Quid pro quo. Make a sacrifice. Baal will deliver. Yahweh, in contrast, says, here's what I desire. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. This is about relationship, not about commodities, not about acquisition. Well, Ahab has his palaces, he's got his fields, he's really a a pretty uh, significant uh, leader in that part of the world, but it's not enough, it's never enough. In the world of scarcity, there's never enough, so he's going to expand He would like to acquire a piece of property right next to the palace that he'd like to turn into a vegetable garden. How appropriate for a follower of Baal that a garden would be his desire, for a garden is about power. It's about food power. I suspect he didn't even know who the neighbor was next door, who owned the land contiguous to his. His name was Naboth. Naboth is... 
a man who has received this land from his family. So when Abraham comes to him and says, hey, I'll make you a deal. I'll swap for a better piece of property or I'll I'll buy this one from you. Naboth respectfully declines with an explanation. I don't even own this land. I am a steward of this land. It has been given to me by my family. It's been entrusted to me, and so it has a sacred connection for me. Well, King Ahab is not used to hearing the word no. He pouts, he mopes, he goes to his bed, he refuses to eat, which is ironic for someone who is a follower of Baal. But enter Jezebel, who first shames her husband. Are you not the king of Israel? Can we get a king in here instead of this guy? We need a king in here. She knows about the divine rights of kings. The kings do what they want. They take what they want when they want. And so she uses kind of a political stealth. Her fingerprints aren't on anything. She uses Ahab's name. She, uses, she writes a letter in his name. She seals it with his seal and frames it in religious language. We're going to have a fast, she says. Only she tells the city leaders, Naboth's friends, his neighbors, you have to conspire with me. Get two scoundrels. Have them Uh, Have them say against Naboth that he cursed God and cursed the king. And they do. What a dirty deal. What a sad and pathetic deal. And before Ahab's body has even gone cold, or Naboth's body has even gone cold, Ahab is possessing the land. Notice the language. Naboth talks about covenant, inheritance, sacredness of this land, whereas Ahab and Jezebel talk about acquiring it. I will possess it. Here it is for your possession. It's a commodity kind of transaction. And it makes me ask, what kind of people do this? Why would someone be so unfair, so unjust, Why would someone act so horribly? And I realize that Ahab and Jezebel come at life through the lens of Baal. They see the world through the lens of Baal, their God. So they see themselves as exceptional. We give extra sacrifice. We're extra good. We're exceptional. And therefore, we're entitled to that which our power and our wealth permits us to have. If we can force it or we can buy it, it is ours to have. Our security, our happiness, our desire, our point of view is always more important because we have more power. Does that sound familiar? Our point of view is more important than their point of view because they have less Their lives, their happiness, their interests, their values, their customs, their traditions, their inheritances matter not a bit compared to our power. And so when someone or something gets in the way, even a neighbor like Naboth, Ahab is able to whine and Jezebel is able to act because she feels justified. She feels justified in taking what is not hers to take, even if it belongs to her neighbor 
Because the goal is always to win. To win. Ahab and Jezebel's Baal, Baal-based way of seeing surely sounds familiar to us, doesn't it? It's the very same lens that religious purists use when talking about other people. We're good, they're bad. We're right, they're wrong. We're in, they're out. It's the kind of point of view that would criticize Jesus for going to the Gerasene demoniac and touching and loving and restoring this man. It's the, it's the kind of, of, of religious puritism that last week had the scribes and Pharisees tisk tisking at Jesus when he allowed that woman to touch him. Well, if he were a prophet, they said, he would know. Whereas Jesus, being the prophet, knew exactly who she was, which is why he let her wash his feet with her hair. This is the lens that we use, sometimes you and me. When it seems to us obvious that as people who are predominantly white, we should live where we do, we should have the privileges we do, we should have the resources we have, while others have less. As someone said, we just presume that we were born on third base and we'd already hit a triple. It's, it's, it, it's the kind of thinking that makes us feel superior to other people. It's the lens of Baal. It's the lens that our heterosexual majority world uses in relation to people who are different. It's the lens that people who abuse other people use. They look through the lens of Baal and they think if I'm stronger, I can have it. When that's not the truth at all. It is, I would suggest, the lens that the Orlando assassin looked through when he killed 49 people. But then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh, not the prophet of Baal. Yahweh has a radically different ordering of life. It's about covenant It's about community. It's about co-creating together this grace and this neighborliness, this ethic of justice and fairness and sharing with each other. So there is this, this is my son's new word, symbiotic relationship. It's now my new word. That is, it benefits us all. When we live in God's justice, there's harmony. There's abundance. There's enough for all That's who Yahweh is. Yahweh's the one who heard the cries of the children of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt and said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It's the same Yahweh who, when King David took what was not his to take, the wife of another man, Yahweh sends Nathan in to say, you have done wrong. You are the man. It's the same Yahweh who in Jesus Christ, has been revealed as one who comes not just for the perfect, not just for the put together, but for all of God's children. It's a wild and inclusive kind of love that this Yahweh has. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, Go to Ahab 
Tell him that the land you possess illegally will now possess you. For your blood will now spill upon this land. I believe Elijah said these words not as punishment, not as vengeance, but as consequence. For when people go away that is different than the way of Yahweh, it corrupts, it distorts, it perverts, it makes it less than. When we take what God has given us in this world, which is always, always good and abundance, and try to claim it for our own, we pervert it, we bastardize it, we corrupt it. This is the call of Highland Baptist Church and really all the people of God today to speak the truth. To say to others, and sometimes to ourselves, because none of us are innocent. To say to ourselves, when we treat life as a commodity, when we think ourselves exceptional and entitled, if our view of security and tradition and happiness are more important, if we feel free to judge and take what others have, if we don't have neighbors, if we don't have covenant, then we are following Baal, not Yahweh. I'll be specific here. For this particular time, if we think that our God is what gives us security and meaning and power, then we have to say that in the United States today, our God are assault weapons. I'm not talking about hunting rifles. I'm not talking about sports shooting. I'm not even talking about guns that people have in their homes to defend themselves and their family. I'm talking about assault weapons. Why would anyone, besides a police officer or a military soldier, need an assault weapon? This is a moral issue. It is a gospel issue. I do not believe it's possible to study the teachings of Jesus and follow the way of Jesus and also support the continued sale and legalization of assault weapons by civilians. We've been misinformed. We've somehow been marinated in this culture that says weapons and the Second Amendment are more important than Jesus and the Holy Scriptures. This is America. You can believe that. You can believe whatever you want. You have the constitutional right to worship any God you want. Here's my request. If you're in bed with Baal, if you're worshiping Baal, stop calling yourself a Christian, please. Let's admit it, that it's in God, not in God that you trust, but it's in guns that you trust. Sometimes people ask me, Joe, why do, you, why do you do the things you do, say the things that you say? Why can't you just be a normal pastor like everybody else? And really, I, I think about it, I think people need God. I've, I've said this for years. People need God. But now I realize I need to amend this statement, this response. 
I need to clarify this response because the truth of the matter is people have a God, a God they trust, a God they revere, a God they idolize. So now I need to be more specific. People need Yahweh. The God who is revealed in all of the great religions, but especially for me in the face of Jesus Christ, who comes to show us that this life we've been given is not something we earned. We're not exceptional. It's a gift. It's a gift to be received and nurtured and above all shared. Neighborliness. It's how the faith works. We prayed it earlier. Please forgive us in direct proportion to the way we forgive others. You see how that works? That's how the Ten Commandments are written. The commandments are about loving God and about loving each other, being in community in a way that's just and harmonious. It is the message of Jesus. We need this Yahweh revealed by Jesus, who welcomes all, who rejects none, who heals the sick and restores us and gives us a place to stand, just as he did that man in Gerasene. It seems to me that there's a lot of worship that happens today. And I'm not excluding myself here. There's a lot of worship today that gets masked in the language of religion, the language of Yahweh, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, that really is Baal worship. The battle between Yahweh and Baal keeps going on. It's the battle between that which is good and holy and true and complete and that which would take that which is holy and good and complete and twist it and use it and hoard it and pollute it. That's why we keep going as Highland. That's why we're here. That's why this is who we are. We are called to be, as Elijah was, prophets for God, ambassadors to Yahweh's harmony and community and neighborliness. And I'm talking not about me. And I'm not talking about our church staff. We're here to empower you, you, to be the prophets of God. It doesn't require a theology degree. Some of us get those kind of degrees. That's, that's what we do. We specialize in this, like some people specialize in law or plumbing or teaching. This is what we do, but it doesn't require that. All it requires is that you have this experience of God, to have received this grace, and then to believe in it and follow it with all of your life and to not let Baal's lens ever creep into your thinking or your seeing or your talking or your acting or your reacting. We need all kinds of Elijahs. We need people to embody Yahweh when they love the stranger. When you go out from this form of worship, as we say, to the worship that is your life, there's no pulpit there, but you're called to preach. There's no pipe organ there, but you're called to sing the songs of faith. There are no offering plates, but you're called to give. There's no church meeting, no church organization, no committee meeting out there, but you're called to love, to sacrifice, to believe it, to embody it, 
to let Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but more importantly, the God revealed in Jesus as reconciling love, abundant grace, unity and diversity, harmony from many voices and vantage points and views, you're called, I'm called, we're called together to embody it with our very lives, just like Jesus did. To the glory of God, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. As a disciple of old said, O God, we believe, we do believe. But sometimes we lose our way. Help our unbelief. May the way and truth and life you revealed in Jesus so jump off the pages of ancient words that they become our words, our way, our truth, our life, until that day when your kingdom comes and your will is done on earth as in heaven. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.